Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is The View from the Couch. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today as we continue our preview of the upcoming 2021 Atlanta Braves baseball season. The weather is starting to get a little bit warmer, at least in the uh, in the Georgia area. So every day we take one step closer to the start of the Major League season on April 1st when the Braves take on the Phillies up in Philadelphia. And today we are going to focus on Travis Darno, the Braves catcher and who I believe will be the number five hitter in the opening day lineup for the Braves. And we're going to take a look at Darno, of course, but we're also going to kind of take a little bit of a look at the catching position for the Braves right now, its evolution over the last few seasons, and why of any position on the field right now, there's more potential at catcher in the minor league systems and kind of coming our way uh, than probably any other position on the team. So a lot to talk about today. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get going. We've come a long way in just one year when it comes to Travis Darno. Last year, about this time, maybe a week or so earlier, because the season was going to start a little earlier last year, uh, I didn't know how to say this man's name. Uh, I, I actually ended up having to call a friend of mine and uh, ask him, okay, how do you actually say the dude's name? And it's not as hard as it looks when you're when you're reading it. But uh, Travis Darnot was signed two-year contract last year, sixteen million uh, over those two years. You know, he had come in as kind of a journeyman, really. He had played for, or he has played for six teams in about seven, eight combined seasons. You know, sent up down. He started out with the Mets. The majority of his career has been with the Mets, but he's played with the Mets. He's played with the Rays. He's played with the Dodgers and the Braves. And so uh, in 2019, he actually played for three different teams. So he came to the Braves as, as more of a reclamation project, more of a stopgap. You know, I I think it's kind of ironic now, or maybe not ironic is not the right word, but, you know, Yasmini Grindal is across baseball considered to be the best catcher going right now. Some people would say Rio Minuto, but watching the Phillies as much as Braves fan watch the Phillies, I think you have to recognize Rio Minuto is good. He is not as good as everybody thinks he is. Let's put it that way. He is more of an offensive catcher than he is anything else, but that's beside the point. The Braves had the opportunity to go out a couple years ago and go after Grandall, and the White Sox got him, and the Braves missed out, and they settled for Darno. And that seemed before last season to be a significant miss for the Braves because Grandal is really, really good. And Darno had not, I mean, there was a big gap between Grandal and Darno. Now, last year, the way Darno played, maybe there wasn't as big of a gap. And that's where the Braves find themselves this year is getting ready to see can. The Travis Darno we saw over the course of a 60-game season last year, can he replicate that over 162? So before we talk about that, let's just talk about the catcher position in general for the Braves since the, ran, the run began in 2018. You had a situation in 18 where you had Kurt Suzuki and Tyler Flowers as your, your combination of catchers. And I mean, across baseball now, you really do, or at least the Braves prescribe very heavily to the idea that you need two catchers that are going to start, you know, you're going to have a, a primary catcher and a backup, but the backup's going to play twice a week at least. Um, and that 2018 year, Suzuki and Flowers were fantastic. 
And then after 2018, Suzuki signs with the Nationals for some, some bigger money than the Braves were ready to pay. So you bring back McCann. So Brian McCann comes back and you pair him with Tyler Flowers, and that's your duo. And in 2019, it wasn't nearly as good. That's the year that McCann, obviously with his age, you know, he, he, he was an older guy at the end of his career, obviously, because that was his last season. And that was the year that Flowers struggled and tried to explain how, you know, he has a lot of movement when he catches the ball, and sometimes it's a little bit hard to catch it. Um, and none of the Braves beat writers uh, asked the, the question that should have been asked, which was, okay, but your whole job, in fact, your whole position centers around your ability to catch the ball. So maybe make that the priority rather than trying to frame a pitch. Maybe you just catch it and see how that goes. Um, so McCann retires after 19. The Braves, I mean, it's like a fungus you just can't get rid of. You bring Flowers back for 2020, and you pair him with Darno. And I think what's interesting is if you look back over the last few years, Flowers has been on the team every year, right? He's been the catcher or a part of the catching tandem for the last three years. But when it comes to the playoffs, you don't see Tyler Flowers. And I think, to me, that was always the error in continuing to keep him on the team, especially last year. You know, maybe there just weren't any better options, but it just seemed like he had maxed out. He was a huge liability when it came to throwing out base runners. He didn't really do much in the at the plate uh, after 2018. And so – and, and, and we've already covered, he, he wasn't the greatest defensive catcher, just strictly catching the ball, at, at, you know. So he might have been a good clubhouse guy. I know, you know, Braves beat writers really like to talk about how guys are good clubhouse guys. And I, I don't want to diminish that. Obviously, you need to have guys that are good in the clubhouse. I, I, I'm not saying that you can just throw anybody in there and it work. But at the same time, I think the Braves, maybe more than other teams, at least in my perception, uh, they seem to keep guys around who are good club, clubhouse guys, but maybe not contributing on the field. You know, even last year you had the broadcasters trying to, you know, carry the team's water and talk about the fact that, well, Cole Hamels hasn't done a lot on the field for the Braves, but he's in, he's been invaluable off the field. Well, that just wasn't true um, because he wasn't there for most of the season and he wasn't there for the playoffs. So how how much could he have been helping the young guys. I mean, the perception was that he's, you know, he's really like speaking a lot of maturity and, you know, experience into some of these young pitchers like Max Freed. And I'm sure they had conversations. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't that, you know, Cole Hamels never spoke to anybody. But that contribution, that intangible, is intangible for a reason because it's not tangible because you don't have it on the field actually producing for the Major League Baseball team. And so we can say as we go into 2021 that we have – finally cleared up the fungus and Travis Flowers or Tyler Flowers I should just call him Travis that's that's how, that's what he deserves Tyler Flowers has moved on we've got Darno and this year I think what we have is you're going to see the Braves split time amongst William Contreras and Alex Jackson now we've heard the name if you're a Braves fan you've heard the name Alex Jackson for a long time um he was highly touted and he is a guy who, despite the fact that he hit a home run on Saturday afternoon on, on one of the few broadcast uh, spring games that we're getting this year, he's a guy that when you've seen him consistently at the major league level, does not he, – he, he's NCRT-esque in the, his ability to be unable 
to hit the ball. I mean, his offense is just awful. And I don't know if there's any coming back from that at this point in his career. I don't know, you know, I mean, some guys blossom late. Some guys, you know, it takes them some time. In his defense, he really hasn't gotten that many opportunities at the major league level to really play even semi-consistently as a backup. Um, So for me, my hope is William Contreras. I felt like when he came up last year, the little bit we saw of him, he seems to just have a better approach at the plate. Jackson and Contreras both seem like they have – you know, above average uh, ability, you know, to play the catcher position. And and I think a lot of that, at least from my perception standpoint, really comes from the fact that Flowers just got to the point where I, I detested him so much that Contreras and Jackson benefited from not being Flowers. And so as Darno is going to be the main guy this year, um, and, and, and when he's in the lineup, I believe he will be batting fifth behind Ozuna. The backup situation, I think, is a lot better this year with the young guy and like and who I hope will be Contreras as the primary. But over the course of the season, you're probably going to see Jackson. Now, I said earlier that this position is probably the one that's got the most talent and depth in it um, in the farm system right now. And, and really, that's because you have Contreras and Jackson who are going to be competing for the backup catcher spot this year. One of them is obviously going to win it. If the team later in the season decides to carry three catchers, that's going to be the other guy. So, I mean, you've got the guys that are going to contribute to the major league level this year, and then you have the hot prospect who I imagine will be in Gwinnett, uh, Shea Langoliers. And so Langoliers was the first-round pick for the Braves a couple of years ago in the draft. I remember seeing it. You know, I'm not sitting there watching the Major League Baseball draft. They broadcast it now. Used to, the draft would take like 45 minutes because, like, everybody just picked real quick. But MLB Network wants to make kind of a production out of it. And I remember not watching it, but I saw that the Braves had drafted a catcher, and I was like, nah, okay. I don't know why it didn't excite me, but it didn't. Um, But when you hear the beat guys, when you hear the guys that are around the team all the time talk about Langoliers, he is a spectacular defensive catcher in the sense that he will throw everybody out. Brian Snicker uh, earlier in spring training was asked about Langelier's ability to throw guys out, and he said he's so good that at the major league level, he probably won't get that many opportunities to actually make plays defensively because teams won't run. Once his reputation gets established at the major league level, they're just not even going to try. And that's exciting uh, from a Braves fan standpoint, because I feel like that's been an area of the team where we've really struggled. I I mentioned Flowers, but McCann, Flowers, you know, even Suzuki wasn't great at that. We, We haven't had a catcher who was great at throwing runners out that really you felt like you had a weapon back there. Uh, in a very long time, a very long time. So it's exciting to have a guy that, that is that talented. The deal with Langoliers is basically, okay, he's very young. Let's give him some time for his bat to come around. And it was kind of interesting. It's the most brave thing that I've seen so far this spring. He hits a, a, you know, a home run in a game, and then they optioned him the very next day because – He's not in the plans for this year. You're not going to see Shea Langoliers at the major league level in 2021. Uh, That's not the plan. And they didn't want to have him get, I I mean, I I say this, but it seems like they didn't want him to get hot at the end of spring and make 
uh, a case to make the major league team because they're not ready for that. And the reason they're not ready for that is because Darno's still here. You've got a backup. You got two good options at back at backup catcher with Contreras and Jackson. And so Langoliers maybe be the guy in 22, you know, or maybe a backup to a veteran that they bring back. But here's here's where we're going to talk about Darno. We'll kind of pivot back to him. Let's talk about 2020 for him. He hit 321, nine home runs, 35 or 34 RBIs, and a over 900 OPS in 2020. 53 hits in 44 games. Now, for a guy who I could not say his name last year, I think Braves fans would have to be very, very excited about what he was able to do. Now, here is my concerned thought and just perception. you got two kind of competing arguments that I'm going to make, and then we'll kind of wrap it up on Darno here in just a moment. The negative argument or the negative outlook would be he is a catcher, which is the most physically demanding pitch, uh, position on the field. So he's a catcher who over 44 games last year played absolutely spectacularly and played well above his career averages. He is a career, this is including last year's statistics, he is a career 250 hitter, and he he, he hit 321 last year. Um, so he's a, a career 737 OPS. It was over 900 last year. So what we saw was not just the best of his career, but far better than he is or he had until last year shown himself to be capable of. Now, the negative part of me wonders how much of that is the fact that he's playing catcher in a short season where the wear and tear that you experience over the course of the season really never played a factor in his production, in his performance. So just in general, I don't feel like the Braves and Braves fans should come into this season expecting that kind of production out of Darno. Now, maybe there's a plan for him to play a little bit less, uh, give him a little bit more, a few more off days, and hopefully when he's in there, maybe you can get that kind of production. But I don't think you can expect, I mean, 44 games in a 60-game season is a, I mean, that's essentially 75% of the game. So you're talking about him playing in somewhere around 120, 125 games uh, of the course of a 162-game season, and nothing in his career has shown that he can put up the kind of numbers he put up last year when playing that much, okay? So for the Braves fans who saw Darno last year, I don't think we have to temper our expectations a ton, but I think we have to just, the same that we talked about with Marcelo Zuna, we may see a little bit of a reversion to the mean in that you may see him kind of revert back to what his normal average back of the baseball card kind of production is going to be. And yet, I still feel good about him. The power numbers are good. He struck out a lot, 50 times in uh, 44 games. But he drew some walks, and, and he was on base a good bit. So I think if you can get that kind of production from Darno in this lineup, where he's going to be surrounded by a lot of guys who have a lot of ability to hit, I think that also helped him. Now, the, the thing that, that kind of combats my, my worry is the fact that he is in a contract year. And all indications, because of the depth that I already talked about in today's episode, I would be very surprised if Travis Darno is re-signed. I'd be very surprised if Travis Darno and his agent don't already know, hey, this team is where you're going to be this year, but this team is not going to be your future because of the depth and the fact that 
with the payroll situation that the Braves continue to have to balance, signing a guy like Darno after this year, if he's great or if he's just above average, spending the money. I mean, he, this year he's making eight million dollars. That's not a lot, but when you think about having basically two rookie contracts at that position, you're talking about maybe combined a million, just over a million dollars, or you can re-sign Darno. I mean, it's a, it's a seven million dollar savings to not re-sign him and let the young guys play. Now, is it possible for him to come out and have the kind of season that doesn't give the Braves the option to not re-sign him if he's just that good, if he's an all-star, if he's, you know, of course that could happen. But in my head, there's there's kind of a sweet spot there where he's like super productive but not so good that he's going to get a huge three-, four-year contract from somebody else. Um so, so it, it, it's a very delicate balance that Darno and the Braves are dealing with. But I think the re- the reality of the situation is this will be his last year in Atlanta because of the depth and everything else that's going on within the organization, which means on a contract year, you should absolutely get the best the player has. And so I think we're going to see a pretty good season out of Darno. I don't think he's going to bat 321. I don't think he's going to be – quite as good as he was last year because I do think there is some legitimacy to the idea that over the course of a long season, catchers just break down a little bit more. But hopefully, and we'll talk about the starting rotation in a few days, but there's been a lot of talk about the fact that, you know, you're going to have to give these pitchers who did not pitch 150, 160 innings last year, you're going to have to give them a lot more rest through the course of this season to not hurt guys, not have them breakdown and everything like that perhaps the Braves already have a plan in place that you know the old oh his shoulders hurting injury comes up a couple times during the season and you can save Darno to get maybe closer to the production that you had last year over 115 to 120 games and have him ready to be at his best in the playoffs and and, and lean on Contreras and Jackson a little bit more throughout the season my fear would be if Contreras and or Jackson struggle and it feels like Darno is the only legitimate option you could put in there if you're playing him five times a week, given that you typically have an off day every week, and then you have your, you know, the old Eddie Perez Eddie Perez and Greg Maddox situation. If you just find somebody that maybe Contreras clicks with and it's like, okay, well, every time that Soroka pitches, you're going to get Contreras, but everybody else is going to get uh, Darno, in that situation, that means that you're really looking at more of 130 games for Darno this year, and I, I, I just I worry about his ability. He's 31 years old, uh, going to be 32 during the season. I just worry about his ability to hold up at this point in his career to be able to produce as effectively as last year. Now, this offense may be so good that he doesn't have to be that great, but I have him batting fifth. And and that's where he belonged last year. You know, we've talked in the, the first couple of episodes about the fact the order is going to get shuffled a little bit without the DH this year. So he was batting fourth behind Ozuna for the majority of last year, and he was excellent in that spot. So ticking him down one like we are for most people, having him bat fifth, I think you're going to see uh, hopefully production and you're probably going to see him with opportunities to drive in runs because you're probably going to have guys on base. So hopefully we can see a lot out of Travis Darno. Pleasantly surprised last year with his production. Definitely a guy that I'm looking forward to and I'm excited about for the 2021 season. 
but also a guy that you're looking at and enjoy him while he's here because it's most likely that this will be his last season. We've gone a long way from thinking, hey, I don't know how to say his name, to, hey, this is a guy that we're going to be a little bit sad to see leave after this season. So hopefully only good things in store for Travis Darno in 2021 and the Braves in general. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed our kind of a perspective, not just on Travis Darno, the uh, number five hitter in my imaginary Braves lineup, but also a little bit more kind of context around the catching position over the last couple of years and kind of where we're going to be going in the next couple of years if everything goes to plan for the Braves. Tomorrow, we are going to talk about what I believe is the most controversial person uh on this team because you really have to analyze the reality and the perception of our number six hitter in the lineup and the number six episode in the preview and that's Dansby Swanson so there's a lot to talk about with Dansby we're going to really dig into it I hope I don't make everybody mad but I think Dansby is the person I was alluding to a couple of episodes ago of the way we feel about him versus the way the rest of baseball looks at him. So make sure to tune in tomorrow when we talk about Dansby, the number six hitter in the batting order, the shortstop for the Atlanta Braves. Again, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Go dogs.